This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with The App Show. I'm your host, Mike Eggerbo, here with John Beeler. We have a great program. Our uh, radio show is all about the world of apps and mobile technology. Today, we're going to do uh, a deeper dive on cryptocurrencies, NFTs. Uh, there's been huge amounts of craziness happening in the cryptocurrency world over the past uh, month. Uh, most of the cryptocurrencies have crashed, including Bitcoin. What does it all mean? Uh, we're going to have on a great guest. His name is Eric Gilbert Williams uh, coming up in the next segment. And he is uh, the man behind the City Dow podcast, which is one of the most popular cryptocurrency podcasts uh, out there right now. So he's going to tell us why it happened and what to expect going forward as well. Will Bitcoin and others ever uh, get back up to where they were before? Well, he'll give us the lowdown. Uh, John, let's talk about some of the news, the mobile news out there. Airbnb, they're kind of uh, getting popular again. Yeah, because everyone's traveling finally. Yeah, it's crazy. Like uh, we've been traveling a bit and, you know, we're going on vacation. It's kind of getting hard now to find reasonable priced accommodations. Yes. Yeah. Unless you get an offer from your casino. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Like we're uh, we were just in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for a show and I don't know how we're doing this, but um, I had booked this a while ago. Uh, I'm going down on kind of a vacation next week and you decided to come down for the fun times. Yeah, because we spend a lot of time in Vegas, but we don't spend a lot of time relaxing, not working in yes. Vegas. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have lots of fun in Vegas, but it's nice to go and not have to be like on a Zoom call from the pool. Well, and so this is a good point. Uh, before we get into the Airbnb stuff, you're talking about getting offers. Uh, you know, if you do go down to Vegas, even if you're not a gambler. And I am not. No. And go to the blackjack tables or one of the tables um, and get a rewards card. I didn't even do that though. I got a rewards card. Yeah. Because you told me about the offers. Yes. And I literally spent 20 bucks at a slot machine. Yes. Or multiple slot machines. So get that rewards card, show that you gambled even once and yep. you didn't, you only lost $20. Yeah. That's it. But and now, it, now you're in the database as a potential gambler. <laughs> well, the crazy thing was, is I had booked to go and stay at the same hotel. Yes. And you did it through points, through points, yeah. through airplane points, which right now are not the best way to do this. No, but it was also the freeway, like no money down, basically. So you got four nights, four nights for how many points? Uh, it was about 53,000 airplane that's points. That's a lot of points. Back in the day, that would take you to Hong Kong. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this is four nights in a Vegas hotel. Yeah. The Park MGM, right? The Park MGM. Yeah. And the crazy thing was, and this is, appears to be completely random, because I did try going through the the MGM Rewards program because yeah. I get lots of emails for different hotels. Yeah. You click through and it says, pick your hotel, put your dates in, and we'll see what we can do for you. Yeah. And the week that I booked it through points, the deals weren't very good. No. But then I got an offer, a crazy offer, and I literally have a 16 cent slot machine credit. For that $20 you spent gambling. Yeah. Right. Right, so I'm I'm basically the, like the lowest on the lowest yeah. totem pole. You're below the totem pole, right? Yeah, I'm right above the guy that doesn't even have a, a program. Yeah, and they made me an offer I could not refuse. They're giving me two nights free. Yeah, at this hotel, and they've severely discounted the other two nights that I want. So how much are you paying for the four nights? Four nights. Yeah. This is 
for the rooms and tax, yeah, forty three dollars US. I do still have to pay the resort fee, but yes. everybody has to pay that. But you had to do that even when you had it on points, right? And you yeah. can't pay for that with points. Yeah, you only get that waived if you're like super uber, and that's high. like forty bucks a day. So that's one hundred sixty US. 170 US. Yes. And it's it was 228 according to yeah. um, the conversion. Uh, so I still have to pay that, but my room itself, and normally these rooms are between 100 and 200 dollars a night or 300, yeah. Yeah. Um I'm getting one one of the nights uh is $21 and then my last night is $17. It really does seem to matter though, at least with Vegas, if you're there midweek versus the weekend. Yeah, that's a So that's a trick with a lot of these uh, reward programs and apps, right? Yeah. Um just get on them. Because you would be surprised at the type of offers you get. And ironically, I was able to cancel my Aeroplan points purchase of the hotel. Yeah. And I got a full refund. They didn't charge you any? Nothing. Oh. Because I've done that in the past and they charged me something. They're, the cutoff time is in a, was in a couple of days. So I was golden. You're golden. Well, speaking of traveling, Airbnb, um, the party ban is now permanent. So I, I didn't know you could have parties at Airbnbs to begin with. No, we're not the target audience for that. No, no. But I guess that's but, been a problem with some of these Airbnb rentals. People rent them and have big freaking parties. Well, there's been some pretty big problems because there were some parties in New York and I think Los Angeles where people got shot. Yeah, yeah. But they have lifted the ban uh, or cap on 16 people in a rental. Yeah, which makes sense because you're having like a bridesmaid getaway weekend or something Yeah, maybe like that. you're renting a big house with like... Yeah. Six, six rooms, right? Yeah. Is that a party though? No, no. But yeah, party ban, of course. Like if I was renting out, if I had an Airbnb renting it out, I wouldn't want people to have parties there. No. That's no. So like what, what good will come of that? I don't care how much money they, they give me. Yeah. It's only a matter of time before it gets trashed, right? Right, right. And like I know it's there's- known ins- as the party house. I know. And I know there's insurance and stuff, but who wants to go through all that? Yeah. That stuff. Uh, also in the app news, uh, John- uh, lots going on uh, here. Starlink, we talk a lot about them. That's the satellite internet company, Elon Musk's, uh, delivering high-speed satellite internet to places that typically couldn't get decent high-speed internet. Uh, they've increased their speeds in Canada, their download speeds, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, so by 23%. So um, on average, they say in Canada, uh, according to Ookla, uh, the download speeds typically were around 62 megabits per second down. Uh, it's up to 97 megabits in Canada. That's pretty good. That, that's better than some people's hardline internet. Yeah, their, their home internet. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty good. I mean, it's still expensive, but it is and it isn't. If you just can't get wired, hardwired internet, then this is a godsend. I think it's like eight, 900 bucks for the, the antenna. Yeah. Somewhere up there. And then about 150 bucks a month. Yeah, roughly. So it sounds like a lot. It's a little bit more than, you know, you could probably get for home internet, like through Rogers or Bell or, or TELUS. But uh, if if they're not available where you live, then this it, is fantastic. It's amazing. And you can now mount it on your vehicle and go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're fast. They, they gave um, comparisons in Canada, the U.S. and Mexico. Um, and compared to some of the other satellite internet providers, they just blow those other ones out of the water. Yeah. yeah like by five-fold in some cases. Yeah. Crazy. They, they just can't compete. No. Anyway, uh, we'll be following that story. Uh, I mean, there are some things 
going forward some challenges. Uh, I guess they use like the 12 gigahertz spectrum, wireless spectrum. And there's some other companies like Dish Network uh, that are um, complaining about that because they want to launch their own satellite cellular service that is in that same kind of spectrum. And they say that there be interference. Well, you should have thought about that before Starlink. Well, I think they're trying to do it before Starlink, weren't they? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to follow up on that. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to find out why cryptocurrencies crashed and what's in store for them in the future. You're listening to the App Show. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to dive into the, the crypto and NFT world again. It's been kind of a... A roller coaster over the past couple of months. A little tumultuous. Huge. Uh, we've seen you know billions of dollars wiped off the face of the earth as far as um, you know crypto value. You know everything from Bitcoin and Ethereum, and there's you know hundreds, if not thousands, of other kind of uh, cryptocurrencies out there. We have a really interesting guest with us today. His name is Eric Gilbert Williams. He's the host of the City Dow podcast, one of the most popular crypto NFT podcasts out there right now and he i would say is an expert in all things uh, when it comes to um, cryptocurrencies the blockchain nfts um, knows like 800 times more than i'll ever hope to learn uh, about this so uh, i want to welcome to the show eric thanks for joining us hey thanks for having me on i appreciate it great to be here i met eric uh, at a uh, a conference in Banff. Uh, it was like a nighttime event. They had a big cocktail reception. And, and we meet some of our best guests at conference. I know, I know. And so I was just in there alone, right? And uh, so two two of us nerds kind of connected and it was just fascinating. Uh, Eric, I, I, I'm, there's so much I want to talk to you about today. And, and just keep in mind, our audience uh, probably aren't cryptocurrency experts, but I, I just, my, my goal is just to keep educating our listeners on, you know, this whole world and, and where it's, it's, it's going. Um, you know, we've seen huge drops in the value of things like Bitcoin. It's down to like a third of its value than it was just a few months ago. Uh, so volatile. Uh, we've seen, you know, billions of dollars in value wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, what's happening here? So there's two ways to look at this. There's one Bitcoin as a investment, so to say, which is what it's become. It's not its purpose, but it's what it's become. And the other one is, well, what is the purpose of Bitcoin? Now, if you look historically back to when Bitcoin first came out, let's say, you know, roughly 2010, 11, when it started to have a value in exchange anyways, you could say that Bitcoin has died dozens, if not hundreds of times. Right. The, the price of Bitcoin started at less than a fraction of a penny. And right here now today, we are a lot more than a fraction of a penny. It is fair to say that we're still in the same upward trend of Bitcoin value that started almost a decade ago. Right. What we're looking at about crashes is just a short term perspective of three, six, nine months. And and I have to throw in, though, that Bitcoin is not supposed to be a financial investment. It's not supposed to be a get rich quick. That's not its purpose. What do you mean by that? I mean, so many people are using it as an investment tool. Yeah. And, you know, anything that gets really you know, popular and exciting, we can we can talk about the tulip craze going back, you know, centuries ago here. And anyone that hasn't looked that up, check it out because it's important when things get speculative, when things get exciting and there's a promising fill in the blank on the horizon. People start throwing money at it, looking to get rich. And then we end up with a bubble and the bubble then crashes. And then the crashes, you know, make people, well, first of all, it hurts people, but it also makes people stop believing. 
But the vast majority of people weren't even looking at what the fundamentals were. Bitcoin is designed to help provide, for example, bank accounts to the 70% of third world countries and developing countries that either don't have access to a bank account at all, or they don't have access to a safe one. Because look, you and I live in a first world country. We are very fortunate to have secure bank accounts, even though there is a certain level of corruption. What we see here is nothing compared to other parts in the world. And, and one of many reasons that Bitcoin was invented was to help resolve that. But I look at some governments you now, I think, is it Nicaragua? I mean, they are investing heavily into Bitcoin and it's like one of the accepted currencies now. Yeah, El Salvador adopted Bitcoin a while ago as a because why not? I mean, we have to ask ourselves if Bitcoin is on the trajectory of becoming a global currency and if it is going to be accepted more and more broadly, why wouldn't we adopt it as a currency? Why wouldn't we start to exchange it? Look, the the concept of the price of Bitcoin is fundamentally flawed in and of itself. The price of Bitcoin should not be compared to a USD or any other currency. Bitcoin is the currency. That's the primary. And it's designed for a, a, a world and a vision where it is a global currency, where, you know, countries and, and localized currencies are no longer needed. So the price of Bitcoin is always the price of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a Bitcoin and it is not secondary. It's not supposed to be secondary to USD, CAD or any other currency. So uh, we've seen the crash of Bitcoin, but I mean, it looks like all the other cryptocurrencies crashed as well. Like why? Well, when one thing starts to work, then copycats start popping up. And when one thing starts to work, then innovation happens as well. And some of these innovations are well-intended, but we have to ask, why did they need blockchain in the first place? And if we look at the vast majority of these projects that popped up overnight and, and over the past, you know, let's say several years, if we ask and, and really dig deep, why did they need blockchain? Usually you do not find a good answer. They did not need blockchain. We're talking about the dot-com bubble type stuff here. Why would why would most companies just throw a dot-com at the end of it? Well, because it's popular. And most importantly, because it brings in outside investment capital, whether from VCs or retail investors. And you can almost guarantee the, the, the VCs are going to end up with a higher ROI than the retail investors. And there's a lot of criticism going on right now about a, a ton of projects that should not have gotten funding in a regular normal world but they did and it got excitement uh, built up which brought in retail investors and you know essentially vcs end up dumping other retail investors it's very sad to see uh, but it, you know that's the hard truth of it many governments are talking about regulating cryptocurrencies like the bitcoins of the world uh, what do you make of that can they regulate it should it be regulated I mean, I find that one funny. Uh, you know, Bitcoin is designed to be unregulatable. It's designed as the ultimate force against the force of suppression, the forces of control. It's designed as the, the currency of freedom. Uh, I think that the more you try to force something, the more you put attention on something, the more power you give it. It's the Barbara Streisand principle back in the old Reddit days. And, <laughs> you know, how many times has China banned Bitcoin? Right. Just ask yourself that. If you look historically, if you Google how many times has China China banned Bitcoin, you will find a lot of times that China banned Bitcoin. And what happened every time China banned Bitcoin, Bitcoin got stronger. So uh, it's not you can't regulate something that is unregulatable. You can't force uh, until us as a human species are willing to give up our individual rights and freedom. You will not be able to regulate something like a Bitcoin. It's kind of laughable because it's like trying to regulate the Internet. Like people just find a workaround in their own country 100 percent, bang on but what about some of these uh currencies uh terra luna for example 
that was a major implosion. And I guess the idea behind that, if I can just simplify it, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, um, it was basically tied to what's called a stable coin. A stable coin uh, is pegged to a, a currency like the US dollar. And the idea is that because it had that stability, uh, it wouldn't see wild fluctuations. But what happened is it completely got decimated. It went from like $100 uh, a coin down to like nothing, like overnight. So the, the premise there that, that you're you're totally right in, in the way that you explain that the premise there is that the U.S. dollar, first of all, is stable. Now I have to ask, is it is it really that stable? If we look at how many trillions of dollars have been printed in the economy with no checks and balances in play. And now we're facing this, you know, essentially uh, mass inflation and perhaps recession coming up. Uh, is it really something that we want to call stable or not? That's the first question. I'm not going to answer that one. I'm going to let that let you like sit on that one and let people think about it for a second. And, and the second is, you know, the concept of a stable coin in many ways is anti-crypto. And if you're going to be building a crypto on top of an anti-crypto, then you're going to end up with something. <laughs> what what could go wrong? It's a Frankenstein. It's akin to just walking across thin ice and uh, being upset that at one point the ice broke, right? That's just... Was it a giant Ponzi scheme? Well, I think I think it's fair to say that the vast majority of crypto projects in many ways function like Ponzi's. They only work when more people throw money in. And that's what I was describing earlier. When you get a lot of hype built up over a project that didn't need blockchain in the first place, that gets backed with a big name VC investment fund, and then retail investors come flooding in endlessly, who gets dumped on? Usually in a Ponzi, it's the last people in that get hurt. And that's what we're seeing right now. Is it like the stock market really, in essence? Well, I mean, the stock market is based on assets, right? When I invest a stock and when, when I buy a bit of, of, of Disney, even though the stock is doing horrible right now, and I shouldn't admit that I own them, but uh, when I own a, a piece of Disney, I own a piece of Disney. But when I buy a crypto, I don't own anything. And anyone who is buying a crypto without having read through the full white paper details of what they're actually buying should not be buying it. Because in most cases, you're buying thin air or you're buying speculation or hype. And that is, you know, a recipe for disaster. And, and it is exactly what we're seeing. Eric, no one's, re no, Eric, one, no one's reading those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're talking with Eric Gilbert Williams. He is the host of the City Dow podcast, one of the most popular uh, crypto currency uh, podcasts out there. They cover everything from crypto to NFTs to uh, Web 3.0. Uh, Eric, I want to I want to keep you on the line we have to take a break but when, I, when we come back i want to talk about like how can you make your own cryptocurrency how easy is that or how difficult you're listening to the app show here on the chorus radio network back after this you're back with the app show mike and john here having a really interesting conversation with our guest his name is eric gilbert williams uh, all about cryptocurrencies the blockchain i know for a lot of folks you know they're kind of glazing over right now but it's important because this is going to become more and more of a, a thing uh, as uh, the future progresses here. We've seen huge turmoil over the past few months. Um, you know, many, many cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, have crashed in price. But Eric, you're saying again, that's not the, the purpose. And, you know, these things aren't really an investment tool for the, for the most case. Correct. It's only crashed based on a short term perspective. And the, the price jumping up and down is a separate subject from what the purpose and the, the real use case of these currencies actually is. So how, how, do, how does one actually make a cryptocurrency if I wanted to make the mic, the mic coin? 
You know, making a making a mic coin is is really simple. You can essentially just if I speak technical for a second and then I'll speak regular. If you pick a chain that you want to build on, whether it's a layer one, layer two, you can it, it really just Google launch a coin and and you're live. <laughs> it, can't, it can't it can't be that easy. Normal. It can't be that easy, Eric. Uh, it was when I did, you know, it, it was. And now what is that coin going to do and how is it going to work? Those are separate. It's going to, it's going to make me, launch. it's going to make me rich, Eric. <laughs> well, cause, cause Mike, you have to sell those coins. So. Yeah. Well, I, I got to. Well, yeah. yeah and, and, and that's a question, you know, it's going to make you rich at the expense of who or in exchange for what value. And if you're able to attach a mic coin to your radio show that gives some sort of, you know, special, something truly valuable to your listeners, if you can do that, now you've created value and simply just a form of exchange. Think of it like air miles. Launching a coin in many cases is not that much different than launching an air miles. The only difference is that if I want to give you my air miles, it's very difficult and vice versa. And if I want to use my air miles to do something else, it's also very difficult. Using a what's called a cryptocurrency is what it's called. Well, there's, there's, there's let me just first differentiate. There's cryptocurrency, which is designed to function as a currency. And there's a token. And a token usually is also called a utility token that gives functionality. So if you had a, a utility token for your show here and listeners had some of those tokens, let's assume that you just give them out for free. And people that own them can access exclusive content or have a, a one-on-one chat with you or fill in the blank, go on a, a meet you somewhere for a, a coffee. Now that's cool value. And it doesn't have to cost money. You can use and launch a token that gives value to people that doesn't have to end up in a crash. So, but that would be on like a blockchain. So it's completely yeah. recorded everywhere. It would be exactly. You would know exactly how many were issued in the first place, uh, what wallet addresses were sent or received those tokens uh, and where those coins were sent from those wallets to different places. Even though you might not know the people, you might not have like an identity attached to those wallets. You can track the wallets and see where the, you know, the funds end up, which is exactly the case that I, I would make for why Bitcoin should be used in a government sense where we can actually track when I pay taxes, like imagine this for a second. Imagine when taxes come off my payroll and go through the system, the, I'm waving my hands in the air, the system. If we could physically track where, those, where that money went and see whose pockets it went into and what budgets it went to, that's a fascinating world where we have full transparency on how government oh, spending- do, do we want to see that, Eric? <laughs> I mean, uh, no and yes. I mean, I think we would all cry, yeah. but I think we would have a foundation for a better future. So. I could literally launch my own cryptocurrency, but like, wouldn't I have to have some cash reserves to keep that thing afloat? Like, how does that all work? Well, when you launch your own MyCoin, it has a starting value of zero. Yes. And you can give it to people or people can buy it. And if people buy it, just like in the stock market, once someone buys it for any amount of money, the new value is that amount of money. And so technically you don't need your own supply of cash to to create the initial liquidity if the initial liquidity is coming from just hey here's 20 bucks i want a mic token okay so okay so i gotta ask this question now eric uh you're saying i can google how to make my coin and then i can get people to start giving me money to buy my coin uh again uh, we're talking about regulation like i can't just do that with a stock do you know what i mean like i have to go through uh obviously a bunch of things to to make that happen there's regulation in place so i don't rip off people um, what kind of barriers or regulation exist to prevent me from fleecing all my listeners? You know, it, in, the, in the world where we're at right now, the answer is 
gray. It is not a binary answer. And this is one of the challenges right now that we're seeing is that a lot of projects that are taking money from people either should not be, and they, and they would never be able to in a, in an other industry. When I launch a, if I launched a token that sold you, uh, you know, fractionalized ownership of my coffee mug, right. And it, and that becomes whether it's a security or not a security, you would not see a publicly traded company doing that. There's layers and layers of, of regulation. But in the crypto world, specifically in the NFT world, there are not. And so when you're launching a project, you have to really think about and talk to the right you know, legal counsel to see, is what you're doing a security or is it not a security? Now, if you're giving the coins for free and, and you're never taking money for them, well, then you might have a case to say that, well, you know, I'm not benefiting personally and I've never taken money, so it's not a security. But there's exceptions to that as well. It's a, it's a completely new territory that is not finished being understood, let alone started to be regulated. But how do I sell them? Like, so I've created one. Like, how do I take money for them? Do I have to get listed on one of these um, cryptocurrency exchanges, like Crypto.com? Or well, I think you're 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 mixing two things together. You're not, John. I'm just trying to get rich here. Yeah. Well, you're not creating Mike Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. You're creating a Mike Coin. Yes. Which is different than a cryptocurrency. Yeah. So you wouldn't get it listed on an exchange because it's not a currency. No. But you might get it listed on a marketplace for coins. Eric? Well, you can also get them. You can get anything put on an exchange these days, basically. It, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of projects that are on multiple exchanges that are either a currency or not, or they're a token or not, or they have utility or not, or they're a Ponzi or not. You know, it's a complete, you have to understand, let me just dumb it down. This is a completely Wild West scenario. Everyone is doing anything in any way that they like at any time they feel like. You wake up in the morning and and you'd have an idea, boom, there's a token, there's an NFT. We'll see if people buy it. It, It's crazy, it's madness. And again, it's it's not something I support. I'm just saying, I'm saying it as it is. Yeah, I think this is where we should say on the show, exercise extreme caution and read all the white papers, read up on what you're doing if you're putting anything into this as far as money. Eric, we're going to take another break. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about some good uses of uh, creating tokens or or, or coins, things of value. We've been talking with Eric Gilbert Williams from the City Dow podcast, one of the most popular uh, Web 3.0 podcasts out there. When we come back, the good uses for crypto. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. We've been diving into the world of the blockchain, things from uh, tokens to crypto coins. We've got Eric Gilbert Williams. He is the man behind the City DAO podcast, one of the most uh, popular uh, crypto and NFT slash web 3.0 podcasts out there. I, I really suggest you uh, subscribe to it. It is fascinating stuff that he talks about. He's also the co-founder of Meme Market. Is that correct? Yes, the Meme Market. Yes. What, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> the meme market is a is a fun platform for people who are content creators and like to laugh and monetize their creations, right? So if we go backwards in time, uh, when Instagram came out, it created an industry for photographers to monetize and turn turn their their hobby into a full time job. When YouTube came out, is the same thing for people that made homemade videos. Create a whole industry around making homemade videos, and we're doing the same thing for memes. People that love memes can now build a business around it and and support their families from it. 
Okay, I don't understand. So memes, you know, these these little pictures with text on them that we see on the internet and we laugh sometimes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it, they're, they're one of the most viral sources of content that exists on the internet. Uh, when they go vile, viral, they go really viral. You know, we had one just posted up last week and next thing you know, there's 2 million likes. And that means 2 million people looked at this and laughed at it, right? It, if, you, if you Google and, and just do one little check into how popular are memes, you'll probably find the answer that they are among the most popular things on the internet. So you've created, I don't understand this. You've created a stock market for these? Yeah, we call it a stonk market because it's not actually a stock. You don't own anything, you know, in, in this world uh, when it comes to, you know, trading and, and speculating on the popularity of memes. And that's really what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a popularity market for memes and you can play with it. You can, uh, we give out coins for free and you can check and see how well your, uh, your speculative you know, spidey senses are going to do. And you can also find employment on there. If you're a good content creator that makes good memes that do go viral, you can bet your butt there's a value there for, uh, for, for any corporation to have something that's going viral to, you know, millions and millions of people and making them laugh, right? What's the first thing you do when you see an ad on YouTube? For me, I block my eyes and, and mute my sound. I don't, I don't want to see the ads, right? But memes are funny. And if you can make good, funny ads, well, that's something that people have an appetite for. And that's a, a big untapped market that we're opening up to content creators as we speak. So you're creating a, an online stock market for this. What, what does that mean? Do people buy these things or like what's happening here? So really it's a game. It's a speculation uh, of the popularity of a meme. Is a meme going to go viral and get 2 million views or is it going to just flop and only have, you know, one. And if you take some of the coins that we give you for free and you, you know, let's say throw it on your, as a, as almost like a, a free bet, because again, it's a free game. So it's, it's not like, you know, a casino or anything. You're not, you know, putting real money on this, but if you do uh, have a good track record with, you know, picking what memes are going to go viral, then for fun, you can make up a cool portfolio of meme coins. And the whole thing is designed to be a fun, you know, interesting, engaging game. It's going to leave you laughing. And, and if you happen to be a content creator, then we're going to be pairing you with, with proper advertisers to make some income. So it's just like a leaderboard or gamification yeah. of, of that type of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We have meme events. You pick a subject. I mean, we've done some meme events for, you know, PlayStation five and, uh, and Oculus quest two. We've done some for, for, for Tesla. I mean, I mean, these aren't paid clients. Let me just, let me just put that, um, proper context. We just did it for fun. We said, Hey, how about you guys make some memes about Oculus quest two? And then the memes come flooding in. There's a leaderboard and whoever wins gets a prize. It's really fun. So what are some other good uses of uh, creating a, a token or a, a coin? Well, anytime that you have value and you want to give that value to a, a tight community in a quantified, non-duplicatable, non-duplicatable way, then you can do that in a coin. For example, let's just make it really simple. If you had a mic coin and you said that people who owned Mycoin can, for example, have some, let's say, voting power on who you want next on the, who they want next on the show or what type of content. Maybe, maybe everyone votes that you should wear a, a yellow ball cap. And then the next time you do a show, you're wearing a yellow ball cap. And, and it happened because people that are loyal to you voted on it. They all wanted to. If you want to engage with your community in a way that uh, brings it to the next level, you can give them a coin for free, right? We're not talking about money here. Just give them a coin for free that they can use to interact with you, whether it's um, you know showing up an event or having a coffee with you or, or voting to make you wear a, a yellow hat. Uh, that's one of the cases. Uh, other times, if you have an economy that you've built that's 
inside if you started a company that's i don't know um mean market for example i'll just use that as a simple example um if you're earning coins in the leaderboard because you're producing either because you're producing good memes or because you're you're picking good winners and you're you know climbing up those leaderboards you can take those meme coins and you can do things with it is the simplest way to put it you can use the coins that you got to do things and interact with the community and interact with the system whether it's promoting a meme or talking with people or um, uh, having content created for you uh, it's an economy and and a token is designed to be an economy in and of itself inside a small company disney could launch a, a token that functions only inside disney uh, netflix could launch a, a token that launches that, that only has functionality within the netflix ecosystem so tokens are designed to be um, a, a way to interact within your economy or sorry, within your ecosystem or within your company in a way that you couldn't do it before. Just quickly want to touch on NFTs as well. Uh, we've spoken about it on the show. We've done some videos uh, up on our uh, website, getconnectedmedia.com, uh, some cool YouTube videos trying to explain what NFTs or non-fungible tokens are. Um, I, I think a lot of people, when they hear NFTs, they think about the, you know, the little pieces of digital art that people have been buying for insane amounts of money. It seems that whole market has crashed as well. Is it, uh, is it dead or is it going to come back to life? You know, just like many other projects, uh, NFTs are an experiment. It's a step in evolution. Like, look, when, how long, how long did it take from Leonardo da Vinci's first schematic of a flight machine? How long did it take for flight to actually happen? Right. Hundreds of years, but it has to start somewhere. And if the first person who failed to fly was deemed as the is all and end all, and now it's dead, then we would never have learned how to fly. Now, NFTs is, a, again, similar to uh, many crypto projects. NFTs represent either art, which is where the most speculation happened and the big you know, boom and bust basically has happened, you know, scribble a drawing or, or have some funny piece of art and, and charge you know, lucrative amounts of money for it. But the other case for your NFTs is, for example, voting power in communities, just like in, in CityDAO. And I'm not trying to, I, I'm just as a disclaimer, I'm not trying to promote that or, or I'm not saying buy them. I'm just saying that as a function, uh, fundamental use case, if you own an NFT in a DAO, whether it's CityDAO or any other DAO, What's a DAO? you end up with rights. What's a DAO? So the, yeah, good point. DAO, D, DAO is D-A-O, Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Decentralized means there's no single point of uh, authoritarian control. In a company, you have a CEO. In a DAO, you do not. A DAO is a bottom-up community-run initiative where we vote on stuff as a collective, you could say. Almost the purest form of democracy. It is intended to be that, although there's a long way to go before that's perfected. I can tell you from <laughs> being in the trenches for, for a long time now. But that's the idea, is to bring back democracy and you can say honesty in a bottom-up format instead of being stuck. You know, like the, the, the problem with democracy, you could say right now, is not about getting people voted in. You know, we can all agree that a, a certain percentage of majority voted people in. It's voting people out and holding people accountable. And this is the thing that interests me most about, let's say, CityDAO, where we can hold people accountable on a time frame that we choose. And if they don't fulfill, like I, I, when I'm running the, the CityDAO podcast, if I fail to perform a good show, I can be voted out pretty much any quarter. I'm not stuck there for two years, four years, and I'm not pulling money out of the DAO for something that people in the DAO don't want. Oh, I don't know if I want people voting on me. 
<laughs> Erica, we get some very positive votes. Eric, we're going to have to cut it short here. I mean, we have had a fascinating conversation. I'm going to have to get you on again uh, to talk more about this. Where can people find out more information about uh, all you do? Well, uh, Meme Market is my my primary, and you can check that out at you know it, it's www.meme.market. There's no .com. Uh, my Twitter is Meme Brains. That's at Meme Brains. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Just my full name, Eric Gilbert Williams. And uh, those are those are probably the, the top three ways to get me. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the app show. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. It's on every Saturday across the Chorus Radio Network. You can find out more info about uh, that show and of course the app show at getconnectedmedia.com also check out our youtube channel and all the other great how-to content and product reviews that we do as well i want to thank john my co-host and producer and of course uh, robin and nigel back at the studio we'll see you again next time you've been listening to a 980 cknw podcast listen live at cknw.com the radio player canada app Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.